Hello and welcome to this vidcast, which is originally devoted to an acquisition in the North American retail industry, but which, introducing real estate, looks like a very interesting financial engineering. On the 14th of October this year, a few days ago, Kroger number five in the United States offers 34.1 US dollars to buy each and every Albertson share. The Albertsons enterprise value is then about $25 billion, which is five to six times the adjusted EBITDA generated by the firm. If you deduct the net financial debt from this enterprise value, you get the value of equity, which is about $20 billion. That looks fine, but there are a couple of adjustments to take into account. The first adjustment is that there will be an exceptional dividend of $6.85 per share, which is going to be paid to each and every Albertsons shareholders for each and every share owned on October 20. What is the consequence of the stock price of Albertsons? The closing price, October 20, is $27.5. The dividend is going to be attributed to shareholders, but shareholders who hold the share on the 20th of October. On the 21st of October, this right has disappeared. This is why the opening price on the 21st of October is 20.65, which is exactly 27.5 minus the dividend of 6.85. This is quite straightforward. Anytime a company pays a dividend, the stock price is adjusted downward by the exact amount of the dividend. The second adjustment is that there might be some antitrust requirements about the deal. Because Kroger is big and Albertson is big in North America, that might be transformed into a kind of dominant situation. This is why there will be some potential spin-offs, which are already mentioned by the company. When you look at the graph, it's very interesting to observe that starting from the moment the acquisition is announced, the stock price of Albertson is not going to move that much, except, of course, for the dividend payment of, again, 6.85. Now, when you observe the stock price, on October 14, it was $27. After the announcement of the acquisition, it's still $27. But Kroger is offering $34.1, which represents plus 30% against the 27. Now, today, when I record this vidcast, the stock price is $21.4. Of course, there is some uncertainty about the dividend, the spin-off, the approval by the antitrust authorities, and so on and so forth. But if you take the initial offer, which is 34.1, you deduct the 6.85, you get 27.25. When you compare that with 21.4, the difference is $5.85. This is quite a lot for a kind of uncertainty. Let's go back to Albertsons. What is the business model? Retail, North America, food distribution, sales, a bit more than 70 billion in 21-22. They are closing the accounts at the end of February. They are showing some organic growth, plus 9% Q2 2022, as opposed to the same period 2021. Uh, quite an extensive distribution network with 2,200 supermarkets in the United States and 290,000 employees. They are number 10 in the US. Kroger is number five, but Kroger is quite close to the number three, which is Costco, and Costco generates $140 billion in the United States. 
Now, if you are quite close to the number 3 and you buy the number 10, you are going to become number 3. And Kroger plus Albertson, it represents a bit more than $200 billion, which is number 3, but significantly number 3, and just behind number 2, which is Amazon retail in the US. There is a number one, which is Walmart, undisputed number one, with $460 billion. But you understand that Kroger plus Albertsons, this is quite big. And there are 20 banners, almost, Safeway and so on and so forth for Albertsons, bought by Kroger. And these banners are quite old. A banner was created in 1860, shows. Another one in 1891, Acme. Joe Albertson created Albertsons in 1939. So it's a quite old company, which is very much embedded in the consumer's habits, which is quite a good deal for Kroger. The company is located in Boise in Idaho, which is where Joe Albertsons created Albertsons. In 2006, the company is acquired by a consortium of private equity funds. Number one, Cerberus. They are buying Albertsons and they are going to try to make the company grow. Organic and external growth, 2015. They buy Safeway for $9.4 billion, multiplying revenues by two. The same year, in October 2015, they plan an IPO, but they have to withdraw for some reasons, which I'm going to describe later. They announced the IPO again in 2020, and it's realized in June 2020. At a stock price, which is $16 per share, the company is listed on a NASDAQ, so the benchmark is going to be the NASDAQ. And when we look at the evolution of stock price, we realize that at first it was not a great success, up to, I would say, mid-2021. Mid-2021, the stock price is skyrocketing much beyond the NASDAQ evolution, and there will be a high point in March, April 2022, with $38 per share. Then it goes down, the NASDAQ also, and it's going to show over the period a return of 35.4%. A little bit more if you adjust to the dividend. And if you adjust to the dividend, the shareholder's return is going to be about 70%, which is quite okay for two years. In the meantime, the Nasdaq is up by only 6%. The good news for the shareholders. What about the financial metrics of Albertsons in its business operations? Ten years ago, the company was quite small. Two, three billion dollars and no growth. Then there will be a few acquisitions, including the big one, which is Safeway in 2015, which is going to grow the revenue from 30 to 60 billion dollars, doubling the revenue, then slow growth, a little bit of acceleration of growth in 2020 and 2021. Today, the revenues are about 70 billion. What about the profitability? As far as the gross margin is concerned, we started at 25%, we are now at 30% which is quite okay for retail distribution. Once you have deducted the indirect costs, the EBIT is much lower than that, obviously. But when you look at the evolution of the EBIT, the current EBIT, excluding exceptional item, up to 2018, it's quite gloomy. It's about 1% maximum, sometimes negative in 2013, 2014. This is why in 2015, it was probably not the right moment to leave the company. Starting in 2019, you have a consistent increase in the EBIT, and the current EBIT is more than 3%. It's not outstanding return on sales, but it's retail, so not high return on sales. 
Remember that the return on sales should be multiplied by the assets turnover to get the return on capital employed. Assets turnover is about property, plant, and equipment, but it's also about the working capital requirement and the cash conversion cycle. Inventories and receivables minus payables. Accounts receivable is quite marginal. We are in retail distribution. People are paying cash. Accounts payable, it's about the months of sales. It's a bit less for Albertsons, but it's starting to go up in 2020 and 2021, as in the meantime, the inventory level is gradually down. You understand that the cash conversion cycle, which was quite low in 2019, is going to go down and is absolutely marginal in 2021. It's quite straightforward. Now, the question is, how many dollars of revenues do you generate out of one dollar of sales? In 2016, it's about five dollars. In 2021, it's about eight dollars. So the company is improving very much its productivity in terms of revenues per point of sales, I would say. Now, the assets turnover is a combination of sales over property, plant and equipment and a cash conversion cycle. Parallel to the evolution of the sales over property, plant, and equipment is the evolution of the assets turnover without the right of use assets. But you remember that the right of use assets have to be introduced in the balance sheet starting in 2019. This is why the actual assets turnover is lower as a consequence of accounting for the leases. But if you look at the assets turnover without the right of use asset, you understand that there is a permanent improvement in the productivity. So basically, if the productivity of asset is up and if the return on sales is up, there are two good reasons why the return on capital is up. In 2016, 2017, the return on capital is about 5% or less, which is not that good in order to list the company. The company is not doing well. Now you have a consistent improvement since then. And what do you observe today is excluding the right of use assets. The return capital employed in 2021 is 25%. The company is doing well. In the meantime, the financial structure is improving, but we start from a very leveraged company. In 2019, the year before they lease the company, the gearing, book gearing, debt divided by book equity is about six. And the leverage, debt divided by EBITDA, five years of EBITDA for debt including the right of use financing, but it's quite big. What's going to happen in 2020? We observe that both figures are going to go down to four and it is less than three today. So the evolution of the company is definitely reducing debt, which is quite good news. But when we start in 2020, when the company is listed, you understand that the company is still quite leveraged. Now, a few comments as a first set of conclusions. This is quite traditional acquisition, Kroger buying Albertsons. It's a typical story for a private equity firm, consortium, which buys, develops, tries to improve with some difficulties, as we could observe, and then eventually lists the company. And this listing is going to happen when the firm looks better and when the market is ready. Nothing special, nothing new under the sun, except a very interesting point, which is going to be about real estate. Now, retail distribution and real estate assets is very often a quite attractive combination. We observe what Tesco was doing. We observe what Casino did with Mercialis. It's a holding in a real estate business. 
You remember somewhere in the academy, there is a field which is devoted to a company for which real estate was so strategic importance, McDonald's, when I compared the way McDonald's with Starbucks. What happens in real life? You develop the point of sales and you own the land. Why do you own the land? Because very often there is no alternative. The piece of land is located somewhere in the middle of nowhere and nobody wants to finance this piece of land whose value is definitely made of uncertainty. So you have no alternative but to buy the piece of land. And then what happens? What was in the middle of nowhere yesterday is downtown today or is in a location which has plenty of value. So you create value with real estate just as time goes on. Now, this value can also be regarded as a guarantee the day you want to put debt in front of that. And that's the story now. Just before the listing, in June 2020, Albertson is suing convertible preferred stocks, which are named CPS, and I will use CPS as the acronym. The liquidation value, which is a number of convertibles multiplied by the par value, is $1.75 billion dollars. Sometimes you issue at a price which is lower than the par value to attract investors. The actual proceeds are going to be a bit less than 1.75, 1.68 billion dollars. There will be two classes of convertible preferred stocks because there are two classes of stocks at Albertsons. So there will be the class A convertible preferred stocks convertible in class A shares. The class A shares are ordinary shares with voting right. There will be 340,000 CPS issued at a par value of 1,000. It's going to be $340 million. Class A1 shares are the same as the ordinary shares, but they have no voting rights. The company is going to issue 1,410,000 CPSs at a par value of 1,000. So it's going to be a liquidation value of 1.410 billion dollars. If you had the liquidation value of the class A1 and the class A convertible preferred stocks, you get the liquidation value of 1.75 billion. What is quite interesting is to observe that the class A1 CPS are issued at the same par value as the class A, and there is a difference which is the voting right, which is seemingly valued nothing. Now, what about the CPS metrics? Classical metrics for a convertible bond. First one, the coupon, 6.75%. And I will discuss this coupon a little bit later on. A convertible bond or preferred stock can be converted into shares or preferred shares. What is absolutely fundamental is the conversion rate. How many shares do you get out of the conversion of one unit of CPS? The answer is 58.065 shares for one CPS. Same conversion rate for a and A1. Now you can easily calculate the conversion price, which is a liquidation price, the par value of the CPS divided by the conversion rate, 58.065, and you get $17.22. It's a very interesting figure because you understand that if the stock price goes beyond $17.22, it's more attractive to convert. If it's less, it's more attractive to get the money back. The issue is going to happen on June 9. The listing on June 25, and the listing is, you remember, 16. What does it mean at $16? It means that there is absolutely no motivation to convert and get a share 
which is worth 16, when the conversion price is 17. So you're going to wait. A convertible bond is a combination of a bond and an option. The option is an option, a right to buy. It's a call option. And you understand that a call option has an intrinsic value which turns positive if the value of the underlying asset goes beyond the exercise price, which is, in this case, the conversion price. So here we have a call which is slightly out of the money. The only value of the option is a time value, no intrinsic value, very traditional and classical for a convertible bond. When are you going to exercise the call which is embedded in the CPS? The investor can convert at any time. Of course, the investor is not going to convert when the option is out of the money. But even when the option is in the money, the exercise of the call will not happen because a call has a value which is the intrinsic value and the time value. The day you exercise a call, you eliminate the time value. So, of course, you are going to delay as much as possible the conversion. And especially when the coupon is quite high, 6.75%. Now, the issuer can, but has no obligation to do it. This is very important. To redeem the bond six years after the issue, June 9, 2026, at 105% of the liquidation value. Of course, if the stock price of Albertsons is more than 105% of 17.22, which is the conversion price, then the investors are going to convert because they are going to avoid the redemption, they prefer to have stocks rather than cash. This is for the redemption, which might take place six years after the issue. But there are some other clauses. One is a possible mandatory conversion by the issuer, by Albertson, if the price, if the stock price exceeds 20.5 US dollars during minimum 20 days consecutive or 20 days within a period of 30 days after June 2023. So three years after the issue. If you compare 20.5 and 17.22, it's plus 19%, which is a quite low premium for the investor. And then you force the investor to convert when the internal rate of return, I may say, is 19%. That's not very exciting. This is why this forced conversion is limited to one third of the CPS. And the cap will disappear if the price is more than $23.42 per share. Then the premium is not 19%, it's 33%. But it's still forced conversion. Because the day it happens, you understand that you eliminate the time value of the option and you're capping the return for the investors, which is not exactly good news. But this clause very often shows in the prospectus of convertible bonds. Pros and cons of issuing a convertible is very well known. For the issuer, it's about dilution and dilution and dilution. You postpone and you reduce the dilution. Second good news for the issuer, generally speaking, the interest rate, the coupon is lower. It's not going to be the case for Albertsons, and I will elaborate on that in a few minutes. But there is a mixed feeling about this signal, because there is an uncertainty about the actual stock price increase the day you issue a convertible. If you are quite sure that the stock price is going to be multiplied by two, the alternative would be to issue straight bonds and then repay the straight bonds, issuing shares at a much higher price, further reducing the dilution. 
So you are quite sure that it's going to be up. This is why you issue convertible bonds. But you're not that sure. This is why you issue convertible bonds. Understand mixed feeling about that. The investor is speculating definitely on a stock price increase. We hope there will be conversion. But if there is no conversion, we have a parachute. There is a parachute, which means we can be repaid in cash, the liquidation, sometimes plus a premium. There will be the capital redemption if, and if is going to be elaborated in a couple of slides. Before I deep dive into the if, I would like to make some comments on the metrics of the CPS. The most important one is the coupon in this case, which is 6.75%. What is the rating of Albertsons when the issue takes place? Standard Pools is provided a rating of B, B minus, double B minus, which turned into double B in 2021. Your speculative grade, but it's not dramatic. Moody's, BA2 today, which is the equivalent of double B for S&P. First, they have the same opinion about the probability of default of the company, speculative grade, high yield debt, and that's it. So for this category of bonds, the normal historical spread should be between 3% to 4%. At the long-term bond rate, government bond rate, T-bond, in June 2020 is 0.7% quite low at that time. The normal quotes coupon should be 0.7 plus 3 to 4%. Okay, it's a range of 4 to 5%, certainly not 6.75%. So it's a quite high coupon. Then you can question the reason of this high coupon. One of the reasons is the use of proceeds of the CPS. The day you issue equity or quasi-equity, very often, how do you use the money? You repay the debt. You remember the level of debt. The net financial debt in 2019 is six times the equity and five times the EBITDA. The proceeds are going to be about 1.7 billion. What is going to be the use of this money? Returning cash to shareholders through a share buyback, 1.9 billion. Impact of indebtedness. Do you reduce debt? No. No impact on the level of financial debt. And of course, we are going to observe a reduction in the gearing and in the leverage. But it's only the free cash flows of 2020 and 2021 which are going to contribute to the reduction in the financial leverage of the company. That's a bet the moment the company is issuing the CPSs. This is why, probably, one of the reasons why, at least, the coupon is quite high. Now let's go back to uh, parachute if. If you don't convert. It's because the stock price is not doing well. The stock price is stable or down. And what does it mean? It means that the company is not doing so well. Then if you ask for cash against your bonds, the question is, has the company the financial ability to redeem the capital of the bond? And you remember that the process of the issue was not to keep cash somewhere, to reduce debt, but to return the cash to shareholders. So you understand that there might be a default issue, a liquidity issue. This is why very often in the convertible issues there is a clause, oh, we can redeem the bonds in cash or in shares. What does it mean? If, for example, the stock price is $10 and the redemption price is $20, you can give $20 in cash or you can provide two shares which is very much appreciated by the investors. The desert stock price is collapsing. 
This is what Albertsons, with the CPS, is proposing an alternative which is quite interesting. The CPS holders, they will also have, and pay for that, $28.2 million, another call, another option, the right to convert their CPS into special purpose entities owned by Albertsons, which detain real estate assets, and they also have the possibility to convert the CPSs in the real estate assets themselves. And this is quite interesting. Then if you hold a CPS, what can you do? You can convert into Albertson shares, but you can also convert into shares of these special purpose entities. You have a double conversion right. This second conversion right will be allowed under very specific conditions. The first condition for the exercise of the call is if the convertible preferred stocks are not converted on June 9, 2027. So one year after the ability of Albertsons to redeem the convertible preferred stocks. So there is one year during which Albertsons has the flexibility to redeem or not. If they don't redeem the CPS, then the CPS holders have the right to exercise a call. The second condition is if four years after the listing of the company, the stock price is still lower than the conversion price, you remember, 17.22. The third one is if the rating of the company is collapsing down to B1, which means that the company is getting closer and closer to default and bankruptcy. The fourth one is if Albertson cannot pay the coupon and doesn't pay the coupon to the uh, CPS holders, which is again close to default. And the fifth one is if ACI, if Albertson goes bankrupt. Now you have the right to convert into shares of companies which detain real estate assets. But what are the financial characteristics of these real estate assets? Initially, the value must be more than 165% of the liquidation value of the CPS, which is much more than 100%, which constitutes a kind of buffer if there is a real estate crisis. And it is also a motivation for Albertsons to avoid CPS uh, converting into the SPE's shares and converting and buying the real estate assets. These are Albertsons operating assets, points of sales, okay, shops, supermarkets. Now, when you put the supermarket in a special purpose entity, the supermarket is going to be at the disposal of Albertsons as an operations with a rental agreement. There is a lease agreement and there will be a master lease agreement which manages the entire relationship between these real estate assets and Albertsons as a company. In the master lease agreement, there will be a first rent. You remember the value, which is 165%. The first rent is going to be $179.4 million for the first rent, adjustment by fair market price, which is quite straightforward. And if the call is exercised, if the conversion is exercised, the duration of the lease agreements are going to be adjusted so that it is 20 years starting when the moment of the exercise, when the exercise occurs. So you understand that you have a kind of double trigger safety net for the holders of the CPS, which is quite interesting. Because we can build plenty of scenarios out of that. For example, if Albertson's stock price is rapidly getting up, they are going to exercise their right of mandatory and forced conversion. 
But as there is a high coupon, of course, they are going to be very motivated to force the conversion because today the coupon is so much higher than what they should pay under normal circumstances. So they will accelerate the conversion if they have the possibility to do it. But imagine that Albertson stock price does not reach the conversion price, 17 point something. And Albertson does not force a conversion and exercise the right to redeem after six years. The investors, one year later, they can convert into a real estate portfolio, which is made of equities, of the assets inside the equities, whose value may significantly exceed the conversion price. So that motivates a conversion by Albertsons. You can build any scenario you want. This is an extremely interesting process. What we are observing here is a financial engineering which goes much beyond simple what we name hybrid debt. A hybrid debt is a very simple bond convertible into debt. That's fine, and it works very well. But now it's much more sophisticated because we can observe a direct right on the corporate operating assets. This sophisticated financial engineering is named by some academic and professionals, Dequity. And this one word, Dequity, you have debt and equity. And it shows that both are very much embedded into each other. Dequity is generally used for project finance, utilities, uh, energy, and so on. This is about private financing. And we don't have much of the information. It's more rarely used for public financing. So financing for listed firms. And this is the case for Albertson. This is why we have all the figures. We have hundreds of pages of financial and legal engineering, which makes this issue extremely interesting to observe. I hope you've been interested by this case. Thank you very much.